enjoying this podcast from Jubilee Church Derby, a church family looking to make a difference across the city of Derby and beyond. This is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations, and you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. make an enthusiastic and emotional initial response but the cost has not been counted they want to keep a foot in both camps but that is unacceptable to God God demands our wholehearted acceptance of his word and I just want to read this the words of this hymn because actually this really just sums up what I'm trying to get across much better than I could ever do it says when I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died. My richest gain I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save in the death of Christ my God. All the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to his blood. See from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did ever such love and sorrow meet, or thorns compose so rich a crown? Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. I couldn't have put it better. That's what God demands from us. Our souls, our lives, our all. There is a great cost there in saying yes to God, but there's an even greater inheritance to be had. So how should we practically support these yes and no people? Well, they need roots, so let's have a look at some roots. First one, Brad. No, Brad, that's the wrong one. That's a bus route, Brad. Next one, please. No, that's Levi roots. That's the wrong one. Let's try another one. That's the roots we need. We need strong roots that go well into the ground. Now, I don't know if that's a mango tree. It's probably a copper beech by the look of it, actually. So that's the type of roots we need to put down as Christians. So can I ask you this morning, is your Christianity, is your walk with God shallow or deep? Are the troubles of life knocking you out or making you stronger? I want to let you into a secret. You cannot ever go too deep with God. No matter how much you've grown in your faith, there is still more growing to be done. When I first became a Christian some years ago, uh, we had a lovely couple who were part of a Baptist church, no, sorry, part of a Countess of Huntington Connection church um, down in Sussex and My wife at that time, um, the lady of that couple, um, really took Julie to one side and and helped her to to find God, I guess. But they realized that the church they went to would not give us the type of food that we should be introduced to in our early Christian walk. So they made a point of introducing us to a charismatic church in the local town. And that was good because actually that's where we started to grow in God. So if you're young in the faith today, One of the things, one of the radical things that some churches do is if you come to know God, you don't serve in the church for the first year that you're part of that church. And actually, I think that's really good because what happens there is that allows the church to input into you practically for the first year. It's all about discipleship. And um, when I was talking about discipleship, I just felt, Brad, I had a word for you. I just felt God just quickened my heart when I was talking about discipleship. But I just feel for you that, that God this morning would give you a fresh bowl of, of, 
hot, hot coals, basically, and he's going to disciple you over the next months and years, and you're going to be somebody that disciples others after you. I just felt that strongly for you. So if that resonates with you, I'd love to pray for you later. But it's all about building one another up in our holy faith, isn't it? So life groups. I know every time I stand up here, I bleat on about life groups, but they are so, so important to church life and also to belonging to a church and I used to work with a guy many years ago when I worked in a bakery he was the most fantastic evangelist he really was every time he used to come into work he used to bring the word of God and he was not ashamed of the gospel he would talk about Jesus to people in the shop all day long but actually I was a young Christian at that time and it meant an awful lot to me to have somebody like that I was working with but about six months later the guy fell away from God. And when I, was, when I phoned him up to say, Rory, where are you? Basically, he wasn't a member of the church. He was doing his own thing, basically. Great evangelism, went out on the streets. On a Sunday morning, Saturday morning, you'd hear him preaching in the street. But he wasn't part of a body. So actually, when the enemy got to have a bit of a stare up with him, really, he fell away because actually he had no, no, um, no sort of chains of, of accountability at all in his life. So life groups, they're so important. If you're not in a life group and you're part of this church, can I please again encourage you to come and find me at the end and I will link you up with one of the life group leaders. It's so important that you're not out on your spiritual self. Then we've got Alpha. We're going to be running an Alpha course early next year. There's a Beta course, a follow-up to Alpha we're going to be running. There's the Freedom in Christ course that Anna Marie and Oscar run. All of these things are really good to build people into church life. And I highly recommend all of those to you. So these are the yes and no people. They're undecided, but we must do everything possible to help them put down strong roots through practical support and discipleship. So the third illustration is all about the thorns. Verse 7, it says, The thorns choke the plant so that they did not bear any grain. And verse 18 follows that up with, Still others like seeds sown among thorns. Hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Slide 11, please. Anybody know what that is? Bindweed. That's exactly what that is. Well done, Chris. That's bindweed. Looks beautiful, doesn't it? I have a lot of bindweed in my garden. And when I'm walking the dog, sometimes I'll see that bindweed six, seven, eight foot up a tree. And what bindweed does, it looks very beautiful on the face of it, doesn't it? Lovely flowers. You'd be glad of those in your, in a, in a vase in your, in, your, in your kitchen, wouldn't you? But actually, that is a killer plant because actually what it does, it grows round and round a donor plant. It smothers it, takes all the life away from it, all the lights, all the nutrients away from it, and actually, at the end of that, the donor plant dies. So it's beautiful, subtle, but very effective in what it does. And we've also got at the end of our garden on the, on the allotment we've got now, a thing called mare's tail, some of you might have come across it actually grows through concrete and tar. It's absolutely invasive. So these things are out there. On the face of it look beautiful, but actually behind it have a very destructive core. So this ground we're talking about, the thorns, etc., we're talking about represents the yes but people. And with this group, life can become clogged with the bindweed of materialism and worldliness as rival interests sap their energies. They need to stop making the pursuit of worldly wealth their highest objective but instead make the pursuit of spiritual riches their greatest goal. Jesus said, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, 
and all these things will be given to you as well in Luke 12. At whatever stage of life we're at, there are a number of distractions resulting in spiritual immaturity and arrested development. So can I ask, does anybody here drive a car? Just stick your hand up for a second. Loads of car drivers here. So has anybody done what I've done recently twice, which is put diesel in petrol or petrol in diesel? Anybody done that one? No, you're all too... Oh, there's a couple of people who are honest enough. Okay. I've managed to do that twice now. The first time... I realised what I'd done and I didn't start the engine, pushed the car off, got the RAC out and they drained the engine, etc, etc. The second time, thinking I'm never ever going to do that again, I actually did it and I drove for about three miles until the car completely conked out and wouldn't go anywhere else. Now that car, I then had to be loaded on the back of an AA recovery truck. I was taken to a local garage. It took about a day to drain the engine, flush it all through and it cost the company I worked for over £300 to do that. So after that, and obviously I wasn't the only one in my company doing that, a policy came out saying if every, anybody does that again, they'll have to pay for the fuel and the sorting out of the car themselves. So strangely enough, not many people did it after that. But I could have looked at the car's handbook and I could have looked at the fuel cap on there and I would have thought, actually, this is a diesel car. What am I putting unleaded in it for? But sometimes the same can happen with God. If you disobey what God intended and if you ignore the Bible, which is the maker's handbook, the logical result is a loss of vital contact with God. It's the subtlety of the bindweed. It looks beautiful, but little by little it takes over. And I just want to talk a little bit about what's happened to me over the last probably six months. I've gone through an awful lot of changes in my life over the last six months. I've moved. We've moved from Derby to Burton. My job has ceased. I've taken voluntary redundancy. I've had a very significant birthday to tackle. And actually, when I put all those things together, and when I came to start preparing this preach, I found that there was a hole in my spiritual bucket. Actually, I lost sight of what God was doing in my life. And all of these other things, good as they were, in isolation and together, new, you know, finishing work, big thing for me. I knew I was called to come and work in the church, and that's great because that's really where my heart is. So that was great. Moving to Burton, we felt that God had called us to Burton. That was great as well. By birthday, I couldn't stop that coming, so that happened anyway. That was the only way, it's like an express train. But all those things together were great in isolation, but put them together, and actually, I lost sight of what God was doing. Now, I really struggled. When I came to prepare the preach, I thought, oh my goodness me, there is nothing left in this well at all. And if, if you've been in that position, I personally have to go right back down to basics. I have to say to God, I have to ask myself, do I still love God? And the answer to that is wholeheartedly, yes, I love God with all my heart. But I have to start at the, uh, at the basics. I have to go right back to the beginning. Do I love God? Yes, I do. I love him with all my heart. And then I have to work through it. It's like a process of elimination with me. So if I love God, does he love me? Well, I know he loves me. He's never moved at all. I might have moved, but he hasn't. Does he still care for me in any way? Yes, he does. But I'd lose, lose sight. But nothing can separate me and you from the love of God. Do you believe that this morning? Nothing. Not, not any circumstance can ever separate you and I from the love of God. And he says in his Psalms, he will never break a bruised weed or snuff out a smouldering wick. He will never put us down. He loves us with an everlasting love. And so little by little, I started to get back into scripture. I started to spend more time with God again. 
and, and hopefully something will come out for somebody here this morning that God's put on my heart. But don't worry if you go through those seasons. They will be there. But just make sure you get back into scripture again. You start to pray. You meet with other people. Don't stop meeting together. That's really important. It's so important to meet with other brothers when you're going through situations such as that. So finally and in conclusion, the last illustration was all about the good soil. The good soils where we multiply, where we prepare, and verse 20 talks about a hundredfold crop. So number 12, please, Brad, thank you. We're called to be fruitful, and we're called as Christians to the harvest fields. So we've had the seed on the path, the seed on the rocks, and the seed in the thorns. And in each type of these soils, the word of God doesn't operate mechanically or inevitably. However true the word of God is that you hear, hardness of heart or even being lukewarm towards God is a desperately, a desperately serious disease to be avoided at all costs. God revealed to the prophet Ezekiel that he could change a heart of stone into a heart of flesh. He said, I give you a new heart and I put a new spirit in you and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees. But he needs us to be willing to receive this offer. The seed of the word of God all too often falls on bad soil. But Jesus ends the parable by telling us that it's God's will and purpose that there is always good soil. And just as soil cannot change itself from bad to good, so the soil of our hearts is dependent totally on the sovereign grace of our God. It won't be hard and unresponsive, uninterested in the message, bored by the word of God. That person's interest in the gospel won't be a passing phase or be preoccupied by worldly fears and desires. The good soil person, said Jesus, is the man or woman who hears the word and understands it. The reply to the call of the word is an unequivocal yes. I want it and I will put it into practice. Jesus said that the qualification for good soil is that it produces a crop. Fruit, says Jesus, is showing yourself to be my disciples. It is all goodness, righteousness and truth that pleases the Lord. It's the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Perseverance is the hallmark of a truly converted person and will produce a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. It results in the further production of seed, the word of God being made available to another generation we need to hear the gospel. 13, please, Brad. So let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Adam, I wonder if you can come back up with the band, please. So, in conclusion, just let me tie up some of those loose ends. The first illustration that I spoke about was the no, not now people. And the writer to the Hebrews encourages that if today you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. His message is simple. He died for you and he wants an everlasting relationship with you. The second group was the yes-no people. You may be a Christian here today, younger or older in the faith. You want to keep a foot in both camps, but you know Jesus is calling you to a love so amazing and so divine that it demands your soul, your life, your all. The question for you this morning is, are you prepared 
for that sacrifice. And the third group here is the yes but people. What will you say to Jesus' call today? Will you tackle the bindweed of materialism and wealth? And why put off till tomorrow what can be resolved before God today? There is grace in abundance for you. Indecisiveness and prevarication are deathly enemies of any Christian. And finally, the yes people. If you're in good soil today, then praise God. But could I encourage you to help others that may not be in that same position? So I'd love to pray for people this morning. And before I do that, I just want to um, mention a, a testimony that someone in the church brought. Um, Natalie's not here today. And Paul's out doing Rooted. But Natalie brought a testimony. The content of that was not so important to go over today. But the one thing that spoke to me highly was her honesty before God. She came down the front and she poured out her heart about what God was doing in her life and how she didn't feel worthy, etc., etc. And it was the most moving testimony I I've heard for a very, very long time, but it was about her honesty. And sometimes we can go to church on a Sunday and we can hear the word that God gives us and we can do nothing with it and we'll go away and think, you know, that was okay or that wasn't okay or whatever we might do. But actually sometimes God wants us to get out of our seats and not be too proud about it and come down to the front and get prayer. I know there's many times I might have walked out of a church building thinking, hmm, I think that was probably for me, but I can dress it up in all sorts of a way. Oh, I'm an elder in the church, so I, I need to be here to pray for people. Or actually, I need to sign some checks today or something. And I can put up loads of reasons why I don't come down and get prayer. But I don't move on with God that way. I'm just haughty and proud. And sometimes God wants us just to break down that barrier, being totally honest and saying, actually, there's a couple of things there that just spoke to me this morning. Can I just get prayer from somebody? So I'm not going to come back up here and ask for you to come down the, fr the front again. Adam's going to play a song. The band's going to sing in a second. We're going to have one last song here. Then we're going to go out for coffee. If you want prayer for anything that I've touched on today, we would love to pray for you. Now, as a church, we've got people that you know would love to come down and just get, get alongside you and just ask you what's going on and just pray for you. I just want to remember, just remind us of the three things that came out this morning. There was Paul's paint illustration about the wall that had been painted four or five times. And he felt that God was saying, you've been forgiven um, and you've been cleansed. And then Chris brought that picture of a, of a robin and, and it was all about God's faithfulness to us as people. And um, um, Matt, you brought that word about being slipped and stumbled and just felt that uh, God would say, run with me again. Get up and run with me again. So um, I've finished. Thank you very much for listening. If you want prayer, then we'd love you to come down the front. Um, Any time during the first song would be great. Other than that, thank you for being with us today. After we sung this song, then please stay with us for a coffee. We'd love to get to know you a bit more. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk or come along on any Sunday morning.